Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. Welcome to Buzz in Baltimore, a podcast about craft beverages in Maryland, and I feel very lucky. Um, when I got this email, I couldn't believe it that Comptroller Peter Francho wanted to be on the podcast, so thank you so much, Comptroller, for being with me today. Well, thank you for uh, having the podcast. Thank you for focusing on beer, because it's a uh, tremendous sector and great opportunity for the state of Maryland. I'm very optimistic that four or five years from now, we will double, triple, or even quadruple the number of craft beer brewers that are here in Maryland. I hope you're right. That would be great. Yeah, it's good for the economy. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into all that. And I wanted to just at first sort of introduce people um, to you and, and get to know your background. Um, I know that you're originally from New England and you went to law school up there um, before serving in the Army. But what brought you to Maryland and sort of what started your career in politics? Well, I got a job with a public interest group called Union of Concerned Scientists. Uh, which uh, back in the day, after when I got out of law school, they hired me to help them with their Washington work. So lucky me, I got to come down to Washington, D.C., and I uh, love the Union of Concerned Scientists. They're a safe energy group. And I met a congressman, Ed Markey, from Massachusetts, who uh, we hit it off. He hired me as his staff director, so I was for six years up on Capitol Hill. Then I left and ran for the legislature in Maryland, where I had bought a home with uh, my family, young family. And uh, so it all just worked out. I had a long career in the House of Delegates, and then um, I got a chance to run for comptroller. And lucky me, I now have this job and have been the comptroller for almost 12 years. And so you um, ran for comptroller and won in 2007, and you actually beat um, William Donald Schaefer, who obviously a lot of Baltimoreans know. What what was that race like, and, uh, you know, what were some of your memories from, from that contest? Well, William Donald Schaefer was the four-term mayor of Baltimore, two-term governor, two-term comptroller. He was really the Babe Ruth of Maryland politics. So (laughs) I ran against him fully expecting to get thrashed. And it was more or less a way for me to get out of the legislature, which I loved, but which was very... uh, you know, it's kind of a false atmosphere because everybody holds the door for you, et cetera. So I was done with the legislature, even though I enjoyed it. And I thought this would be a graceful way to exit. Well, then things happened, and Governor Schaefer was a little bit, uh, you know, past his prime, and uh, I won in a big upset. So here I am. Here you yeah, are. It must I have been mean, very exciting. Yeah. 12 years later, I've, uh, you know, I'm lucky to be comptroller, and I. Thank all your listeners and anybody living in Maryland for letting me have the job. It's an honor and a privilege. Yeah. And so I looked up sort of the sort of the definition of a comptroller, which is a little bit of gobbledygook, and I was hoping sure. you could sort of make, tell us the conversational definition. So it's the general superintendents of the fiscal affairs of the state. So yes. how do you describe that in real English? I described it to my wife as being in charge of the financial books of the state, and she said, well, God help the state of Maryland if you're in charge. <laughs> Uh, all kidding aside, I, uh, our agency has about 1,100 people. We collect taxes. We give out refunds. We uh, do all of the uh, audits, et cetera, that a normal tax collector is expected to do. In addition to that, I serve as one of three people on the Board of Public Works. This is an independently elected 
panel, which is uh, meets every two weeks. We vote on average $450 million in contracts at each meeting. It's the governor, myself, and the treasurer. The treasurer is elected by the legislature. Right. That is a huge uh, uh, part of my responsibility because I not only collect the revenues and remit them over to the legislature and the governor, I then get to vote on the contracts that are uh, where the money's actually spent. So that's a, a broad agenda. I'm vice chair of the Retirement Board of Trustees. That's a $51 billion uh, portfolio for our public employees and uh, retirees. And uh, I'm also in charge of unclaimed property, which is a large amount of money that we advertise. We're holding for Marylanders. They don't realize that we have it. And uh, so all in all, it's a very cool job. And as I said, I'm fortunate to have it. But it's not, uh, it's basically the chief fiscal officer of what I, is what I've tried to turn it into. Yeah. So uh, unlike previous comptrollers, I've tried to be more of a presence as far as the, uh, you know, procurement laws, the, the Board of Public Works, how it handles uh, different issues such as school construction money, et cetera. And I am the chief alcohol regulator, which is how we got. Right. I got introduced to the current subject of of uh, craft beer and uh, Maryland Maryland crafted alcohol products. So, what do you see as the relationship between the craft beer industry and the the Maryland economy? Like, what what is the significance of that craft beer industry in relation to the state economy? Well, that's a great question because I think it's integral to the future uh, reputation of the state. It's uh, craft beer. Let's be honest here. Are there, we're not talking Budweiser or uh, Coors or Molson or uh, you know Miller. None of those big guys. These are in-state. Uh, small family-owned breweries that exist in Maryland. We have about 85 of them. They represent about $650 million in economic activity. It is a drop in the bucket compared to what they could be if we could simply get some of the antiquated, out-of-date laws modernized. But I view it as a uh, as a entry point for the state to put its best foot forward as far as being a competitive exciting state for young people, particularly millennials, to uh, choose to live in and uh, start their businesses, either beer or non-beer, uh, have their kids and work and play in the state of Maryland. Why do I say that? They, that generation loves craft beer. They don't like the standard corporate beer. And here we have a thriving manufacturing sector that is able to thrive despite all the restrictions, what if we removed the restrictions uh, and experienced uh, the full benefit of the craft beer industry? So it's a very appealing sector to me, and since it falls under my regulatory purview, uh, we have quite a bit of information about it. Right, and we've seen it be able to thrive in other states with, with fewer regulations, but describe what makes Maryland unique, I'll use that term, in sort of the model of selling and producing Yeah, beer. We're, we are uniquely bad yeah. as far as craft beer, and the problem is that we have a whole bunch of economic protectionism that's grown up around the current system. So craft beer in Maryland is okay as long as the big beer people own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, craft beer is okay as long as they're completely under the thumb of distributors due to Maryland franchise law. So the only thing that's permitted here in Maryland as far as craft beer is what the 
establish special interests the distributors, the retailers, and the big beer companies primarily are going to allow. So generally over the years they've given a little here and a little there and a little crumb here. Uh, that's not what we need. We need to have uh, a lot of the out-of-date laws just swept aside. It's not radical. It would simply make us uh, one of the best states in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mostly perception. But right now our perception is we're down, we're almost dead last in the country as far as a place that someone would want to move to and start a brewery. And to put it simply, what are the things standing in the way? I mean, I know you know the distributors is, is one angle to it. Um, it, it's not as simple as a bakery. I mean, a brewery, you're selling alcohol, and there's a stigma there. But what do you sort of see as the biggest roadblocks for this industry to expand? The biggest roadblock, in my opinion, is the three-tier system, which right. has grown up into a medieval guild that is literally saying to the state, we're uh, not going to allow you to take advantage of uh, the craft brewing sector, which is growing, as you say, hand and fit. It's just moving very, very quickly. We're going to have Maryland be uh, kind of in the caboose here as far as um, uh, craft beer. And it's very sad to me as a chief fiscal officer to see that kind of wet blanket tossed Mm -hmm. on a thriving sector by the legislature. And uh, last year was a a disappointment. I'm more optimistic about next year because we'll have the elections behind us and we'll have some new legislators and uh, the craft brewing industry is going to be even uh, bigger and better and bolder, I think, in presenting its case. Uh, but what's standing in the way of it are very, very powerful special interests with long-term relationships with legislators, and uh, the legislators are essentially um, serving them rather than the small businesses of the state of Maryland or the taxpayers of Maryland because this is going to create jobs and wages and salaries, et cetera. Right. And so this, uh, you were referring to this past legislative session, you um, introduced a uh, 518, the Reform on um, TAP Act. And could you describe sort of what your goals and objectives were for that? And Yes, that was a 12-pack of reforms, none of them particularly radical. The most radical was probably the allowing the breweries to have a, a negotiation with their distributor based on contract law, like wineries and distilleries do, as opposed to state franchise law, which is very uh, one-sided as far as the distributors over the craft brewers. And uh, we offered them these different reforms, uh, you know, operating hours, how much beer they can produce, the buyback provision, things like this, none of which was really uh, draconian, but, It uh, ran into a brick wall in the Economic Matters Committee on the House side, and all I can say is that February 23rd, Friday, the day that it was considered, was probably one of the most destructive days for the business reputation of the state uh, that I've seen in 10 years. And they treated the uh, small craft breweries like they were gum on the bottom of their shoe. Uh, they kept everybody waiting for hours. They brought up all sorts of uh, irrelevant legislation that they cooked up to make uh, things look difficult for them. And uh, I was embarrassed as the controller. And uh, so I wish the craft brewing industry uh, more success next year with uh, new new personnel. But 
The reason that it foundered was because of the political power special interests like Budweiser and uh, Miller and their relationship with retail, which is, uh, you know, it's very odd. And they've got these big out-of-state companies are using the in-state businesses. Right. And you'd think mom and pops, we want to support fellow mom and pops. And, yeah. You know. So it's economic yeah. protectionism gone um, uh, wild. And... Uh, it's not going to change until we get some new leaders. Yeah, and I watched the testimony from that day, and you're right. It, it, was, it was hard to watch um, a, lot of, a lot of that back and forth and a lot of the treatment of, of yeah. people. And, and I've interviewed um, the delegates who, who you know, were against it, and it's very frustrating because you almost wish they would just come out and say why they're doing what they're doing, but of course they can't. And so they'll give you these excuses that obviously don't, don't line up. Exactly. Um, and what, what are the arguments that they've given? You know the real truth, but what are the arguments that they, that they give you, that they're trying to protect the bars and restaurants and retailers in town? I mean, what did, what did they actually come out and say, just to play devil's advocate? What's their argument? Well, they had a couple of points. Number one, they said, well, you're, uh, you're the chief alcohol regulator. Why are you a champion for craft beer? I'm a champion for craft beer because it's a great product. It's made in Maryland. It produces a lot of economic activity, and all we're talking about is substituting in-state craft beer for out-of-state craft beer that we import. So they brought up uh, that public health issue and then they brought up the uh, uh, you don't really need uh, this because you're really like children and you're like children who are asking for an allowance increase but you haven't spent your current allowance. That seemed to be their That was tenure. their main argument. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was very paternalistic uh, you know condescending erroneous uh, performance by the legislators. I felt badly for them because they were obviously ordered to, uh, you know, adopt these lines, but it was, it was completely uh, out of order. Right. And uh, I think was very, as I said, I think it really, uh, I guess was, some of it was directed at me personally, but I don't care about it. It didn't hurt me at all. It hurt, it hurt the craft brewers who needed these, this legislative uh, package to pass. Yeah. And, uh, but they were up on their high horse, and, uh, you know, I was pretty stunned to see not just the Democrats but also the Republicans on that committee uh, basically just say that capitalism and free enterprise is uh, ridiculous. We're not in favor of it. We want to go back to the Joseph Stalin times in 1950 in How Russia, yeah. where uh, you know all of us, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, or conservatives, we want to have like a completely state-controlled uh, operation where nobody's allowed in unless they uh, pony up a lot of money to us. Right. So it got right. it got pretty rough that hearing, but I I blame the legislature because it was clearly manipulated and and I've experienced it before they treated me the same way when I was a champion for starting school after Labor Day hmm. uh, and uh, they told me to go jump in the lake and they would schedule the hearing at nine or ten at night and we had our kids there all day and it was it was obvious just um, cold machine politics we've got the power to do it so we're gonna make make it miserable uh, for you. Well, uh, then along came Governor Hogan. Right. He got I'm, a, I'm a Democrat. He's a Republican. But thank goodness he did an executive order. That is a hugely popular, going to be great for the state's tourism business. It's terrific uh, 
for families, and it's very, very popular, just like craft beer is very popular, but it seems that the political machine in Annapolis, if it's something's popular and people like it, they're automatically opposed to it. Right. What does Governor Hogan think about craft beer? Have you got He it? loves craft beer. Yeah. <laughs> but he has a limited of bandwidth as far as what he can get involved in. And right. this was something that, uh, you know, obviously he's very supportive of as a Republican and a small business champion. I'm very supportive of it as a Democrat from a economic development uh, standpoint. And a, uh, because I think it's so important that Maryland attract younger people from around the country. But I can't put words in his mouth other than that whenever I see him, the subject comes up, he yeah. claims he's supporting craft beer, can by can. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so, in other words, he's drinking a lot, <laughs> yeah, which is good because well, uh, he, he gets, uh, you know, he has a lot that uh, a cold beer probably helps him. Yeah. Well, and I understand that people probably assume that you must drink a lot of beer, too, but I understand that that's not really the case. And, and your Correct. passion comes from a different place than, than simply enjoying the taste yes, of it. Yes, yeah. I do. I, I uh, have enjoyed a lot of beer in my life, but I don't drink a lot now other than just uh, sips at a brewery when I stop by. But the, these are wonderful products. Uh, I'm not suggesting that people should... Uh, drink more. I'm just suggesting that these are, uh, um, you know, people are going to drink X amount of beer. I'd like to have it be uh, Maryland-produced beer. Right, and the public health argument has always sort of stunned me because then, you know, when you go to a bar on an average Friday night, the amount of alcohol being consumed inside there is vastly different from going to a brewery happy hour. Um, So if they really are concerned about alcohol consumption, then they're kind of barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, the public health issue is a canard. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's too bad, but that's what they're reduced to coming up with these crazy comments. And now they want to supposedly take my enforcement authority away. Once again, they don't hurt me at all. I am, I've got a wonderful job. I've got uh, all sorts of things that I'm involved with around the state. Right. They're just hurting the state of Maryland, and it's gotten to be almost un- unacceptable. Uh, and they're not even defending uh, the tavern owners and the retailers. They're defending the, what I call the machine, which mm. is a small group of people in Annapolis who make the decisions behind closed doors, uh, back rooms, and they get very, very defensive when anybody is not under their, under their control. That's what happened with craft beer, that's what happened with School After Labor Day, that's what happens with a dozen different issues, uh, having nothing to do with me. Uh, once again, I don't really care. It doesn't hurt me, but it does hurt the state. And it's why you have a major labor union now organizing a take a hike Mike Hmm. movement to, of all things, defeat the Senate president in the June 26th primary. And uh, it has certainly stimulated me to get involved uh, in that race and also the race that the speaker's in. I don't have any animus against the speaker or the Senate president. It's just that they... They represent the interests of the machine more than they represent the interests of the people. And everyone says power tends to corrupt. Well, that phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely, that's alive and well down in Annapolis. And it's what creates the climate that all of these bad things can happen.
Right, craft beer is just one example just of many, one, I'm sure. Unfortunately, but I believe that we'll make a comeback next year. Yeah, let's talk about that, um, get to more hopeful <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, so I know that you guys, you have a lot of ideas about what you want. You want fewer regulations, you want the production to be able to scale up if they want, you want contract brewing to exist. Um, but I also know that uh, Baltimore is unique in that we don't sell beer in your in grocers, um, and that's something that you're also talking about. So what are you hoping for next year? What specifics would you like to see, and what are your goals? Well, first of all, I've asked the craft brewers to step up to the line and go and make their own case with their own 12-pack of reforms. We gave them the report. We gave them the structure and the coalition, and it's a big one. It's powerful. Hopefully that will be bigger, better, and bolder. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, selling beer and wine in grocery stores. We're opening up that issue, too, and uh, partly because it's so popular, 93% of Marylanders support it, and partly because it's so good for the free enterprise system and uh, competition for retailers. It's already It already exists over in Talbot County on the eastern shore. That county allows beer and wine to be sold in grocery stores. It's proven to be very, very much of a positive with consumers even with retailers who have to pick up their game in order to be competitive. And I'm going to, uh, I think, look at it as, a, as something that we should be proposing in the legislature next year. Uh, and uh, that's, that's a big issue because yeah. what we're talking about is retailers being forced to offer a lot more Maryland-based craft beer as they compete with the grocery stores. Grocery stores will probably put Budweiser and and uh, Miller and those folks in their floor space. The retailers are going to have to compete with up. with Maryland-based products like the wonderful brewers here in Baltimore City. So uh, that will be interesting because uh, you know once again it's a wildly popular idea uh, when when you poll on it and. Uh, I happen to believe as an elected official that just because something's popular doesn't mean we in power should be against it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's really interesting. There was a grocery store in College Park. I don't know how legal this was, but there was a shoppers in College Park. Yeah, that they sold had grandfathered in. Yeah. Yep. And that so was we a grandfathered can, in situation. And we can compare. I, I, for, from an economic standpoint, I think it would be terrific. Yeah. And from a local product standpoint, I think it would be terrific. Uh, it's always been viewed by the retailers as a big threat, uh, but uh, you know this is not the uh, 13th century medieval times when there were guilds that were set up to keep all the newcomers out and artificially inflate prices. That's what we have in Maryland as far as beer and wine, because it's either uh, the competition is limited, you're not allowed to sell in grocery stores, or we actually worse in some parts to say we have government-run liquor dispensaries mm. in Montgomery County. Uh, the liquor dispensary is just—I uh, mean, you look at it and just shake your head. I mean, every bottle of wine, bottle of beer, bottle of spirits has to pass through the Montgomery County distribution system. Uh, as a government, they're pretty good at doing some things. They're terrible at being. Uh, liquor salesman. Yeah, talk about heavily regulated, too. Oh, my I mean, God. Go it's so like, many hoops. You know, I mentioned uh, Joseph Stalin before. Joseph, this is this is right out of Joseph Stalin, uh, 1950s, uh, state-owned enterprise. So, ideally, what 
what would you like the craft beer landscape to look like in the state of Maryland? Um, are there other states out there that you yes. think are doing it well, and, and how can we get there? I'd like us to look like uh, North Carolina, Oregon, uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. even Pennsylvania, God forbid, Delaware. Right. I mean, really, all of these states are with it, and they, their laws have been adjusted. And once again, I urge people to understand these are tweaks to the law. We're not talking about you know, major sea changes, but the economic protectionists that are running the legislature right now have said, no, no way, we're not going to let you do it. And uh, I'm hopeful that we can break through that. Hmm. So what are the sort of the main ways to get there? Is it is it allowing more production for craft brewing? Is it allowing contract brewing? Like, what are sort of the, the main strategies, I Well, guess? first of all, the legislature has to apologize and admit that what it's been terrible, which it has been. Number two, that it's opened uh, the state up to be a laughingstock around the country. You go to these national conferences and people say, Maryland? Hmm. God, all we hear about there are the bad things the legislature does. And uh, so they need to, they need to, concede that what they've done damaged things and then they need to correct it and it doesn't take very much i mean we gave them the blueprint they just need to go and do it and they have to stop being under the thumb of these special interest lobbyists you know there are three uh, gentlemen down there nick and uh steve and uh who jack yeah nick and steve and jack the three of them are called I mean, it's absurd. They're in the committee back rooms all the time. They're whispering in everybody's ear. Uh, The message that they give out is, uh, you know, we're not going to let you agree to anything unless uh, we say so. So everything becomes a struggle. And I think Maryland is the only state in the country where the lobbyists not only run the legislature, but as these guys have come up with the creative idea of why don't we get rid of the comptroller as a regulator? Mm. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, I can't make this stuff up. Right. But even in the most corrupt states in the country, the lobbyists do not get to pick their own regulator. I mean, that just that's a no-brainer. That seems so unethical and insane. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and it's all done in the dim, dimly, in the dimly lit back They don't like rooms. when you talk about those back rooms either. Oh, that yeah. really sets them off. Oh, yeah. No, that's, they're very sensitive on that. But yeah. any day, go into the back room and you'll, you'll see uh, Steve and, and uh, Jack and Nick. They'll mm-hmm. be sitting there. Mm. So for people listening, what can they do um, as citizens of, of Baltimore or, or Maryland? Um, how can they put sort of their passion for craft beer into action? Well, first of all, they can vote some new legislators in. And wherever you see a, a breath of fresh air, vote for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just, uh, this isn't rocket science. This is just, we need some new legislators. Second of all, we need to get rid of the, understand that the leadership in Annapolis right now has very little to do with the Democrat, Democratic Party, they're all Democrats, but they're really much more loyal to the machine and to their own power. So you gotta get rid of some of the leadership down there, and a lot of that I think is going to happen naturally in these elections. And then they need to, the public needs to get engaged. Uh, I mean, this podcast and other means of communication, people need to communicate with their legislators and say, look, uh, go back and repair the damage and fix the uh, image of craft beer in Maryland. Yeah. And uh, 
it's not that hard. So I don't mean to, you know, say that it's just going to happen like that. Right. But I am optimistic that we're going to see a difference uh, next uh, year in Annapolis. So it's less about party, but really reading about who could sort of breathe new life into the legislature and um, looking at people's backgrounds and, and what they've Well, supported. I'm a Democrat, so I urge people to vote Democratic, but there are all sorts of people in these uh, primary races that are new people, new talent, new energy. If they're young, uh, I would uh, suggest people look very closely at them. I'm supporting the opponent to the Senate president and the Senate and to the House Speaker. People say, gee, why would you risk that? Well, I'm willing, willing to risk that because I'm sick and tired of seeing the Annapolis system misused by my own party to represent the special interests right. and hurt the state of Maryland. That's what gets me. Uh, you know, I've advocated uh, air conditioning in Baltimore City and Baltimore County Schools. I don't do that because I don't like the Democrats that are running the place up here. I'm, I'm doing that to help the kids. Right. And, you know, rank and file Democrats around the state want us to do that. I'm work with Governor Hogan on procurement reform and all sorts of fiscal matters at the Board of Public Works. I don't do that because it's Democratic or Republican ideas. I do it because it's good for the state of Maryland. Right. And, uh, you know, thank you for letting me appear on your podcast. Of course. Because uh, the main message here is get on board as far as craft beer. Yeah, and go vote and when oh, you're yes, and, exactly. and use your purchasing power too. When next time you're in a bar, or liquor store, um, or at a brewery that you can visit, well, thank you so much, Comptroller Francho. I really appreciate your time and, um, like I said, I was really honored that you were interested in being on the podcast. And I hope that everything that we've just talked about comes true for the state of Maryland. Well, Jess is a wonderful podcast, and it's a great subject, and it's a public service, and uh, you know. Gosh, can I make a contribution? I should send something to you. <laughs> no, no, thank you so much. I just do this out of the kindness of my heart and oh, the passion for it. So I really appreciate your time. All the best.